This episode is brought to you by Paraswap, the leading aggregator to find best prices across various DEXs. You'll hear more about them later in the show. This is uh, a really interesting episode of Empire. I think you're all going to enjoy it. We had the three founders of Scroll, which is one of the least known but most innovative companies in crypto. They're working on ZK rollups. Um, Santi and I have just been talking a lot about what we want with the show. And, and one thing that's really important to us is we obviously want to bring you the big names. We're recording an episode with Olaf Carlson We later this week. We've got Kevin O'Leary who came on the show. We had Vance and Michael from Framework. We want to bring you the big names, but we also want to get really into the weeds of what is coming, not just in a month from now, but in six to 12 months from now. These episodes are going to be a little more technical than you're used to. It might be with names that you've never even heard of, uh, but this is the first one of those episodes. It's with Scroll. They came out of uh, kind of beta and hiding for like a year and they were just heads down building. It's it's PhD folks. It's people who have worked on uh, machine learning and AI at Amazon. They're absolutely brilliant. Uh, they just raised their Series A, $30 million from Bain. I know Santi's an investor as well. And uh, yeah, because of who Santi invests in and just uh, I think because of the show and because of Blockworks, we have access to some of these names and we want to put them in front of you guys. So I hope you guys enjoy this. And yeah. Santi, I'm curious to get your take. What, what do you think of this episode? I think this is sort of gets a peek into what I do on day to day, which is not just podcasting, but it really is meeting people that, you know, from all kinds of walks, super smart people you've never heard of, um, but are doing incredible research. Um, and there's a number of things that I get excited about when I first met them. Uh, you know, these people, you know, Sandy's come from, from a pretty successful venture fund. She was an entrepreneur before that. Um, one of the other founders is um, at AWS and their AI team. Um, and, uh, and another founder was, you know, pursuing his PhD and doing really cutting edge cryptography research. And so to me, it's always really exciting to see that because, um, there's, it, I think it speaks to web three and the primary thing that I get excited about, whether we're in a bull market or bear market, I always look at where are the clusters of human capital and especially smart people want to work on very difficult problems. And you know, we've heard Vitalik was talking about scalability since day one. Um, and he's been pretty vocal around the ZK, like zero knowledge proofs are perhaps one of the most fascinating things um, that have been talked about over the years. It's been very theoretical, but I think we're one step closer and it feels like we're, you know, a year or two away from actually seeing like really efficient, practical implementations of this fascinating technology. Um, and so it's great. I mean, this, the other element that I love is, um, you know, it's a team that's primarily based in China. Um, so I've always kind of been annoyed to some extent that I haven't seen that many Chinese projects. And I think it's by virtue that I'm not Chinese, I'm not in the ground. Uh, and for anyone listening, I mean, we had a great episode with Jason, who's based there and investing heavily. And so I think this is going to be a great episode, um, you know, because I think you'll be hearing more and more about Scroll and, and what they're doing uh, over time, which it's not to say that it's a winner take all L2 market. I think there will be multiple versions and implementations of them. But I think zero knowledge proofs credibly really take us to like supporting billions of users. I'm going to go right. on a limb saying billions, uh, but I think this is why this this episode is important to get a better understanding of can Ethereum scale, which continues to be a, a, a recurring theme, especially with, you know, these uh, as more applications get built and they just congest uh, the block space and becomes really expensive for users. But scroll exactly. and other type of versions can take us there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like you mentioned, I mean, Vitalik said in the medium to long term, ZK rollups will win out in all use cases as ZK Snark technology improves and Scroll's really pushing the boundaries of just scaling in ZK tech with their ZK EVM rollup. Um, and so we hope you enjoy. You'll hear from three people here. So Sandy is uh, one of the co-founders. She was previously a partner at Fission Capital, which is a crypto focused investment fund. Hai Chen leads engineering. Uh, he was previously a senior applied scientist for the AWS AI team. And Ya. Uh, ya Zhang was uh, is now on leave, actually from PH, uh, he was getting his PhD at NYU. So they're absolutely brilliant. Uh, it becomes a pretty technical conversation. Santi kept with them pretty well, I'd say. Santi led most of this one, but yeah, we hope you enjoy it. If you enjoy it, DM me, DM Santiago, uh, follow us, follow our uh, account on Instagram, uh, excuse me, on Twitter, and just let us know if you <laughs> like this. If you don't like it, yeah, Santi's getting on Instagram now. So anyways, without further ado, enjoy the show. Thanks, everyone. For the benefit of everyone, just give us a very basic uh, explanation of what is Scroll. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so Scroll is a, a zk EVM project, and we're building um, something what we call native zk EVM, and striving for full EVM equivalency. And we're trying to deliver exactly the same experience on ETH L1 on in a zk setup, so in a much faster and more efficient way. And, and, you know, I might be familiar with this, Jason might be familiar with this, we, but we want to peel it back for a lot of the audience. Like, what exactly is, when you say, what is ZK? Uh, why is it so important and interesting uh, for scalability purposes? Yeah, maybe I can, I can just quickly introduce like what is ZK. So zero knowledge proof is uh, basically it's a crypto primitive, which, you know, for uh, instead of re-executing the mutation itself, you can the one who executes this computation can generate a, mathematically can generate a proof, which is, is a very succinct, for example, it's for, for a very large computation, that your proof may be just kilobytes and you can verify this proof very, very efficiently. And verifying this proof is equivalent to re-execution of this computation. So basically you can get your result in a verifiable manner, like you, you get your result and you get the proof. And after verifying the proof, you know this result is exactly the Result after you're executing this program. And because of this very nice verifiability, like it can fit greatly into this blockchain space because blockchain needs publicly verifiability. For example, like if you are you, you broadcast a transaction in a, in a blockchain layer one, every node need after receiving this transaction or receiving this block need to need to re-execute all those computations inside. And this is very inefficient, right? Because you have that that much redundancy, and uh, the more nodes you have, the more decentralized you have, the more computation you need to do. So it's it's very inefficient to do that. And so the idea behind ZKRP is that we can leverage this thickness of of ZKSnark or, or zero knowledge proof to compress this large computation off chain, and then on chain you just need to verify this proof. So the basic workflow is that you can instead of sending all the transactions to a layer one network, you send that to a centralized layer two node. And this layer two node will generate layer two blocks. And for each block, it will generate some proof to proving that all the transactions inside this block is correct. And then it will submit this proof on chain. And this, this proof will be verified on, by some on chain smart contract. And so it's mathematically equivalent to re execution of all those, all those initial transactions. And then after it's got verified, you, you know, like it's. It means like you know it's it's already included, so this can massively include the throughput of Ethereum, and also like for each transaction, the gas fee will be amortized because they, it will only be the verification fee and uh, like amortized over like maybe one thousand transaction included in this proof. So hope that yeah. can. 
That's a, that's a good understanding. Maybe uh, to start, like uh, folks might be familiar of, of, with rollups. You know, we talk about like optimism and arbitrum. These are some implementations of of types of rollups. Um, how does how does your like how does scroll actually work, and how does it compare against something like optimism or arbitrum? Yeah. Uh, so basically, if you are like so, so there are basically two categories for layer two. One is optimistic rollup, and the other is zk rollup, right? So they basically all like the 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 high-level workflow is pretty similar. Like you, you send the transaction to a layer two node, and it will generate some proof in some format and some in proof on chain. But the difference is that Zeki Rob relies on zero knowledge proof. Basically, it's a it's a it's a validity proof, which means after you you, you if you can generate the proof, which means those computations are already you know correct. Because if they are incorrect or you you insert some some bad transaction, you can't just generate the proof because it's your your computation is not not correct. So as far as you can generate that, it means the computation is correct. So it's basically only relies on math and crypto. But for, for optimistic rollup, they rely on a different proof scheme. It's called fraud proof. Basically, it's, a, it's more like some, some economic challenge game, which basically the, the idea is that you can submit your result on chain. And because you, you also upload your, your raw data on chain, so everyone who seen this transaction, they can re-execute this transaction on their local machine and they can know, they can see whether whether we get the same result or not. If we don't get the same result, which means the the one who uploads the, the result is it's just it, it's fake or like it, it's there are some bad transactions. And I can challenge this result and then they went into some some challenge period and they, they do multiple rounds of such challenge game and then like finally they just like make makes all the challenging to just one step and then, then on chain you will execute this step and know like with with correct or with with wrong mm. and then punish some party so that's also yeah. the reason because you know your multi-round interaction or, or this challenge game takes a very long time so that's why like you need a longer time for withdrawing from from layer two to layer one in optimistic world so yeah. basically it's two, two different assumptions and so yeah but there are more like like in, in among like uh Optimistic rollup, there is Arbitrum and Optimism. And in Zeki rollup, there are a lot of players like Zeki Think, Starkware, and us. And, uh, like. Right. Maybe, um, you know, ZK rollups have been sort of the all the rage and like with true academics. Like it is kind of like the most ambitious. And, and you know, when, when even I remember talking to like the Arbitrum guys, like I feel like most most people agree that ZK rollups are kind of the way of the future to, to, to achieve true, true scalability because optimistic rollups kind of have a limitation at some point. Um, but it's always been like the tech is super fascinating, but like computationally, it's, it's very difficult to actually get there. And so can you just give us a, I've been hearing about Zika rollups since like, since forever, like, you know, like talking to Zuko at, at um, and a lot of like the, the leading cryptographers like are, are really fascinated by this, but it's been, it has felt like it's been slow, uh, at times. Um, but obviously a lot of people might not appreciate all the, all the research especially in academia that's been going on in this field for a long time. I know you guys come from academia. So c can you walk us through kind of like what has been the evolution of zero knowledge proofs? Um, how is this, this moment in time different than perhaps 2018? Now? Like how far have we come in the state of ZK rollup research and how close are we in actually seeing efficient implementations of ZK rollups? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a very good question. So basically, like back in 20, 2018, as you said, you know, it's zero knowledge proof is not as famous as it is right now. So the, the most 
use libraries, DeepSnark built by Zcash team. And the most famous application is still Zcash, where you can use you know, proof to pro protect your, your privacy and you can make some shared transactions, and which is really cool. And then, like I think, the biggest breakthrough happens in 2019. It's actually the second half year of 20, 2019, where there are a lot of new protocols coming out. And the biggest breakthrough, I think, during that time is the, the appearance or the discovery of polynomial commitment. So basically, it's a polynomial commitment is a is a crypto primitive, which is actually the paper is happened like ten years ago. But you're like in in twenty nineteen, like cryptographers, they cryptographer find that it can greatly reduce the overhead of of, of protocols. And uh, some some other stuff which also makes this happen is that, as I mentioned, like proving overhead is very huge. But we there are more and more research on ZK hardware acceleration. For example, there are like we, we use work on some ASIC and IPG acceleration for Brewer, and we also have the classic GPU Brewer implementation. And those implementation can be like an order of magnitude faster than, than previous implementation. Mm -hmm. So like you got you also get very fast Brewer because the proving algorithm is highly parallel. And fourth is that you, you've also got some more efficient construction for recursive proof. So the basic idea is that uh, so for, for one program, if it's really large, you take a very long time to generate proof, right? But mm -hmm. you can cut this program into several pieces, and you only need to generate proof for each piece. And then you can use one proof to verify multiple proofs and the you know, recursive miner so that you can mm -hmm. reduce the overhead by, for each piece. And then you get your final proof. How do you differ from the different other implementations? And you were touching on this earlier, but like Starkware and ZK Sync. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, for for Starkware and ZK Sync, we are we are, we are very different. Like for example, Starkware is uh, so they are also like we are all building some general purpose ZK app. So it's basically in our ZK app, you can write smart contract and you can deploy. But we, we take different technical approaches and we, we have different compatibilities regarding to the EVM. For example, like Starkware, if you want to, they, they have a they have a Starknet, which basically you can deploy a smart contract in, in Starknet. But if you want to develop a smart contract in Starkware Stark and deploy that on Starknet, you need to use their domain-specific language called Carlo. So this is this language is designed for efficient execution in zero-knowledge proof. So it's a new language. It's pretty different from Solidity, from those you know those traditional like smart contract developers. It's a totally new language with totally new features, and you have to re-implement everything there. And then like after you you implement your program. Their compiler will compile this down to uh, their their Carlo assembly code, and then like this Carlo assembly code can run on their defined ZK virtual machine. So it's a it's a different. They also use a different virtual machine, which is different from Ethereum virtual machine. It's a totally new ZK virtual machine for efficient execution for for ZK. For example, like you can generate proof way more efficiently, and so that's Starkware. Like basically, you, you need to use a new language and compile that down to their virtual machine and deploy there. And there is an external team. Who build some external compiler for them to be compatible with Solidity. So the idea is that Solidity is Turing complete, and their their Carlo is also Turing complete. So you you can use some compiler to compile this Solidity to their Carlo, like some readable Carlo code, and then you can deploy that on on, on Starknet. So it's it's somehow achieves some some in some sense it achieves like language compatible because you like for for Solidity developer you can also compile, but but you know it's. Like I think developers, if they really want to deploy on, on Starknet, they, they also need to be very familiar with Carlo because it's very, very insecure for developers who don't know, like you know, what what bytecode mm -hmm. they are deploying there and what the low-level execution detail. And to, and to be absolutely clear, fair, you would have to learn Cairo to interact in, in Stark, Starkware, Starknet. 
you you couldn't like use EVM, use a compiler, and then like you have to learn this language to to deploy. And um, is that like a correct assumption? Uh, so I think like the so as Ian mentioned before, like there's some a compiler built on third party like the called Warp, and they can compile some part of the Solidity into a Cairo to give it like a bootstrap, like a how to uh, program that. And then I think like if you want to go very deep, you still need to kind of like the learn like what Cairo program means and then you need to also make modification at that. And then I think at this point that the warp is not 100% compatible with the uh, Solidity, uh, with all like a Solidity compiler does. So you still need to uh, manually look at like the compare the generated code versus your original Solidity code. And for Liquid Think, I think they, they take a approach which is more like EVM language compatible. And so their approach is that, so they also have their circuit language called, called Zinc. And uh, you can write Zinc, which is to, to write some specific circuit. And they also have, like, they, because they also want to be com compatible with Solidity, and so they want to be compatible with two languages. So they are using a compiler infrastructure called RLVM. So this is a very, this is a commonly used compiler infrastructure in like traditional like programming language or things like that. So the idea is that you can take any high level language and compile down to some LVM IR, and then you can do some optimizations in this middle layer, and then like you can you can you can compile that down to different like microarchitecture, like for example like uh, like AMD and Intel, like they have different like ESA. So so that's why like how like you can make different high level language be compatible with different low level VM structure. So they are reusing this. And uh, so they, they basically, they have a compiler. They also have a compiler but built by themselves to compile Solidity or like low level U, which is a Solidity IR. And then compile, but, but from very high level, you can just imagine it's Solidity to this LVM IR. And Zinc will also compile to this IR. And then they will like compile this IR down to their ZK, ZK EVM bytecode. So it's they call this bytecode ZK, ZK EVM bytecode, but it's different from Ethereum virtual machine because it's actually a different VM design. It just has this uh, feature of being compatible with Solidity. So basically it's still like compiler and compile, compile down to a a, a different bytecode or different like low level style and run on a different virtual machine, which is different from EVM. So that's that's a another like so but but uh, the good thing is that they are more compatible with Solidity than Starkware. So they I think they achieve like maybe ninety nine percent of of Solidity and uh, like things like that. And so it's it's more easier for a developer to use that. And you they have built some plugin for like in hard hat and for for some other for developer to really easy to to use that. But it's still like uh, it's still not EVM, and uh, yeah, got it. I can also like add like a few some um, standpoint like the comparison between like us and then uh, the zk sync and then Starkware. So I think one thing like you can take like from like a very more high level way to view this like what your circuit trying to prove like the so there's two level of things like you can prove the Solidity language like that you can uh, compare the language and then build like a different runtime. So, you know, like the, the Solidity code, like the, the smart contract, they run on the Ethereum virtual machine. It's basically the runtime for the, uh, the how you execute your um, smart contracts. Uh, but you can build like a different uh, runtime uh, in the ZK circuits. And then you can prove that the Solidity code can be run correctly on your virtual machines, on, on your runtime. Uh, that's like the kind of, we call it like language level compatibility. And then that's like how the ZK Sync and Starkware is doing. So they use, they different, uh, they design a different uh, runtime, like a virtual machines. Uh, that's as different from the Ethereum virtual machines. Uh, but on the other hand, like we're building directly like the 
we're taking the extreme virtual machine specs and then writing the circuit to prove the extreme virtual machine can be executed correctly. So we don't need to care about like the, how you compile your solidity into your extreme virtual machine's own instruction set. Uh, we just directly prove that all of the uh, instruction executed in the extreme virtual machine can be correctly verified in, inside a circuit, mm-hmm. inside a key circuit. How difficult was this um, to put together? I mean, I think maybe if you can give us a an understanding of all the work that's been done in the background, how the team came together, um, and 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 how close are you when you say you know a fully kind of EVM zk EVM like I, I would assume that took years to build or is in the process of being built like is it is it already complete? Maybe kind of walk us through the the evolution of Scroll over you know last couple of months and and maybe years. Uh, yeah, I think like, we we have been building this zk EVM for about like uh, around like nine months uh, so far, and then we're also working with a community like not only us like building the zk EVM, also working with the uh, some applied ZKP team inside Eastern Foundations and then some other community members. Uh, that's because like that's the the power of like building this like open source uh, you know open source way that you can have uh, lots of people who are interested and who uh, want to contribute to this like they can build together. Um, so I think so far, like though, so we're building like this. So we have like the, all of the high level designs of like how the ZK even should work and how to uh, how you should write the, the circuits to prove that. But we have like a multiple circuits, have like a main circuit that proving that state machine uh, inside the same virtual machine can be executed correctly, and all of opcodes can be executed correctly. And there's other like sub circuit merge uh, circuit that can prove the memory and the stack, uh, all of the uh, RAM can be executed correctly. And then there'll be also some part like they're trying to prove the uh, the, the catch hack, the hash function, the SHA-3 hash function can be uh, executed correctly, uh, etc. So I think that the, so far the progress is like we have, uh, I think like around like the 70% of the opcodes can be already uh, correctly verified and then proved inside the circuits. Um, and then uh, and then we I think we are quite close to getting like something like the really working. The example we can take like a ERC20 transport uh, execution trace, and then that can prove correctly inside the zk EVM uh, so far. That's great. And so, um, if if I have this right, Sandy, you were a partner at Fission Capital. You were sort of investing in blockchain. Um, Hi, Chen. You were previously at AWS, their AI team, I believe. And and yeah, you were doing your PhD at NYU. So, how did all of you guys come together and decide to build it? Um, and and who else is on the team? Where are you guys based? Just give us an understanding of of how you work and um, and how did it come together? Sure. I, I think we, we met about a year and a half ago, um, kind of through mutual friends in the competitive math and Ethereum community. And, um, and, and once we got together, we started kind of as, as a group kind of brainstorming what were some of the highest impact stuff that like these like ZK research could bring to the current kind of um, overall blockchain environment and, and to us like you know scaling is by far the biggest problem that exists in the space and you know if we could solve that that's easily like the biggest opportunity for the next decade and so so we started kind of toying around with some ideas and um, you know based on some of Jiang Yu's research we decided you know maybe we could have an edge in, in, in building something and then and then it it just all kind of spiraled and snowballed from there I think up till this day like fast forward we have about 25 people now around the world, and almost everybody is connected through friends or mutual friends, um, through a kind of a common interest in, in research and building on the cutting edge of what's possible, and, and also just kind of through this like 
value alignment, I think everyone we've managed to gather so far are attracted to scroll, not because of, you know, how high profile we are and, and also not because of like, you know, um, how much resources we have, but it's more just like strongly um, aligned in terms of the interest in the project we were working on and also a kind of this kind of common value about building in the open source and, and sharing the code with everybody and kind of um, bringing this knowledge to, 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 to everyone. I think that that's part of our founding story, I think. How do you, th it's pretty, how do you think about like developing a moat when you are building truly in the open? Because other teams are, you know, are closed source at, at the beginning, then decide to kind of progressively open source and maybe for competitive reasons, but, um, does this worry you um, that it could be a disadvantage for you guys if you're building out in the open? I think part of our moat is the people we've gathered and the skill set and knowledge we have in-house. And, and that part is very difficult to replicate. And also the relationships we've built with the academic community. And I think for now, like the, the, the benefit of building in the open source far outweighs the, the cons. And, um, you know, I think with with more with more people joining this community and the faster we will go. And it's very difficult for someone who's kind of starting from a closed source setup to be able to, you know, move at the move at the speed that we're doing. And I also have some experience like working previously in the open source community. So I think so I think that's like not different, very different from building like a whole like a protocols, which you are trying to build some trust with the like a large community. So like there's like the community which build the ZK EVM and then you can also like even expand that community to like the developers who are like trying to build your uh, new applications on your uh, on your protocols. So I think like the, so having the open source, like you can starting from earning your trust and then like start from starting from the beginning and then you can have like more people who look at your code and who find like that piece of the uh, technology is quite like the really good. And then also people can also verify that, can audit it that. Uh, and that's looking at the, the piece of code. Uh, and then also this is some way like you can attract uh, those talented uh, developers and researchers who like look at this piece like a code and, and they can be very interested they, and then come like the uh, trying to contribute and then even like then maybe can join you like and then in the future. So I don't think like that's like a disadvantage of that. Uh, as you said it before, like I think building the uh, ecosystem is like the more of a success success of the uh, to define like a protocol, uh, like a blockchain, uh, a project. So that's like the so we don't think like we worry a lot about like people forking your code because like the, the building the community is like the more important pieces of since then. Uh, I want to get your guys' take on something. So we had uh, Vance and Spencer from Framework on the podcast the other day. Uh, and they believe that every kind of scaled project will eventually migrate to their own rollup, right? To optimize the code for their application and end up adding utility to their own token. It seems like Scroll is on this kind of mission to have a general purpose rollup. Do you guys think that apps will end up using Scroll for their own rollup? Or like, what does this kind of, what does that relationship look like in the future? Maybe I can expand more. Like, so, yeah, so they are definitely like, you know, if you have special needs, you can have your specialized circuits and you can deploy your specialized Vikra. But, you know, there are multiple problems inside this diagram, like for them having too many applications to figure out. So the problem one is that you, you miss the, the, the most important thing like in, in DeFi and in smart contracts is composability. For example, like if you build something for DEX, you build something for, for lending protocol, like for each protocol, you build some music up, but there is no composability, which means, you know, you get some flash loan, you can't, you can't just, you know, like 
spend that on either other application because each proof will only generate for their own circuit execution. So it's very hard to have composability like you know between different ZK rollups. So that's you know very important. And also like as you as you said like you know you you ha- you can have some customized like. Uh, optimization for your for your for your program and write some customer circuits, but it's very hard and uh, like it needs strong expertise. It needs auditing. It takes you a, a lot more than just using one universal circuit. So that's another another issue here. Uh, and the third is that so even if we have built something like very universal, we also plan to explore maybe adding more pre-compiled to our to our ZK EVM ahead of Ethereum and support much more than just EVM like at this stage. So that's our plan. Like yeah and uh all right everyone quick break from the show to share a big update from our friends at paraswap the best platform to stake swap trade farm and more paraswap just launched gas refunds based on how much you stake you can now get up to 100 percent of your gas refunded on all of your swaps on paraswap this is huge for anyone who has spent a lot of time in DeFi, or maybe it's just starting out you know how egregiously expensive the gas transactions can get. The gas fees are ridiculous at some points in time, and now you can get those entirely refunded on Paraswap. To participate, all you need to do is stake a minimum of 500 PSP. Big shout out to the Paraswap DAO for making these refunds possible. Really, it's just, it's tough to beat Paraswap right now. They give you the best prices, Uh, They save you money. You've got this gas refund if you stake PSP. They've got a smooth and really user-friendly interface, fast swapping. It's really everything that you'd want from a DeFi platform. If you don't use them already, check out Paraswap today at paraswap.io. Now let's get back to the show. On this point, Oftentimes we talk about, you know, the tech can be fascinating, can be superior, but there is still a lot of requirement from a BD standpoint to attract projects, to attract community. Obviously, you guys building an open source is very much aligned with ethos. So I think smart developers appreciate um, the, the open, the true open source kind of ethos that you're taking. But talk to us a little bit more about how, how do you plan a, how do you see the competitive landscape in an L2 environment? Obviously, we have optimism, we have Arbitrum. We're going to have, uh, you know, Starkware has, there's a few implementations of Starkware. You have Immutable X, you have, how do you see kind of the, broadly speaking, the L2 landscape evolving um, over the next couple of years? Where's your place there? And how do you, how do you, what is success? What is winning for you guys uh, in this, in this kind of, is it a race uh, to become the best L2? Do you want to focus on particular applications? I'm curious kind of what goes into these internal discussions around kind of winning a market. I, I think for the time being, we're just hundred percent focused on developing the the kind of the best solution and and the most developer friendly and the most user friendly solution, and and that's gonna occupy the bulk of our time until at least like the end of this year. In terms of ecosystem development, I think you know a we're trying to we're hoping to attract value aligned like smart developers who recognize what we're doing and they recognize that you know being peer reviewed it means we have hopefully a higher level of security guarantees. And then the third part is that you know our kind of my my personal hope is that you know this this L two scaling um, will enable a lot of kind of novel and useful cases and expand beyond the current kind of prism of finance and and GameFi and enable kind of more more high frequency transactions and and activity on the blockchain. And 
And I think some of the some of the strategies we're thinking about are are things that will kind of make onboarding a lot smoother, or um, kind of make the ease of access to to, to L two interaction a lot easier, and um, and and obviously kind of you know um, making the fees as low as possible from from a technology standpoint. Um, but but we're hoping that all kinds of dApps will build on us. Like hopefully this is going to be a kind of a copy and paste kind of really easy experience to migrate, and mm-hmm. and the and the experience will be so smooth and seamless that you know everyone will want to come on. Can you t- uh, comment a little bit on on how is it working with the Ethereum Foundation? Like what does it mean to be like? Um, I think they they've lent their support to a number of other projects. Uh, I think including Optimism, for instance. Um, but what kind of resources? What kind of experience have you? had with the ethereum foundation so basically like when we start scroll like our our biggest motivation is that we want to build something general purpose and we search then general purpose they up because you know as i mentioned like applications has a lot of problems of composability and things like that and also we want to decentralize our pool because we have done a lot of research related to zk hardware acceleration so that's the two biggest thing like when we're building scroll it's a uh, like the evm equivalent they up and also, like we want to support decentralized pooling process to attract even more members to to make this faster and uh, like you know generate proof for us. So that's two biggest motivation. And I sent this draft to to Barry Whitehead from Ethereum Foundation, who actually actually proposed Zikirap like years ago. And I was talking with him, and it happens to to be that the case that he was also looking into this ZKEVM stuff because you know. One one important roadmap or endgame for Ethereum is that it wants to start they can start everything. So the idea is that, for example, like for for even on, on layer one Ethereum, like you you get some block, you broadcast it into your network, and every node still need to re-execute a transaction inside this block to 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 verify that it's correct. So if you directly use the KEVM in layer one, which means it will ch- totally change this you know this workflow. So basically, for example, like you, you have some miner and you generate a block and you will enforce this miner to generate proof for this block and it will broadcast this, this necessary data for, 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 this, for this block and this proof into their network. And every node, instead of re-execution of this transaction, they just need to verify the proof. So basically, it can scale layer one directly in layer one. So that's their very ambitious goal, like take one existing Ethereum block and generate proof for that. And you can even build something which is a Mina style, like you know, you can get one proof to prove the whole history for, for, for Ethereum, which is very exciting. And uh, they are very interesting to look into this. And but we, what we found more interesting is that we want to build some more efficient layer two, which you know we have our own account system, we generate proof of our layer two account and submit this proof on chain. So that's basically the even had two important applications. And we are pretty aligned with, you know, because layer two is the infrastructure to scale Ethereum. So we, we really want to you know push forward the development of Ethereum. And so that's you know from that side we are more value aligned. So this collaboration actually happened very organically. Like Barry asked whether you want to work on this, like collaborate or, or not. And we, we think, okay, so we definitely want to develop our circuit in an open source miner. And we, you know, there are a lot of you know brilliant brains behind apply the KP team. And you kind of for now, like there are over like 20 people working on in this. In this repo, in this in the open source miner, they have around like ten people. We have around ten people working working with them, and so it's you can't imagine a company have twenty like very excellent and experienced ZK researcher and working on the same problem. So it's a much stronger and much powerful from the community side, from the development side. Like so many great people are working on the same problem, and they have yeah, it's it's even very hard to hire such a a strong team like you know for a single company. So that's you know it's it's really great. You know, it's very 
nice to work with so many you know nice collaborators there and we, we, we talk as Hajj mentioned we have some weekly meeting to coordinate different different process and we, we collaborating on this or uh, developing on this and or not and things like that so that's basically how this how this you know works and uh, yeah so we are co-building this but we are just leaning towards a more efficient layer two version yeah uh, I want to ask you guys one last question on, on rollups before pivoting to uh, talking about China for a second, which is in your guys' minds, what is the, maybe for folks who are a little less technical like myself, what are one or two thing, big things that you think get unlocked? If you guys are successful with scroll, like how does the world look different and how does the industry look different than what it looks like today? If you guys are successful and maybe Sandy, if you want to start here, if I can put you on the spot. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I think the successful case in 10 years time is, um, I think when, you know, literally billions of people are interacting with, with layer twos on a, on a daily basis and using it on the back end of tools that they don't even kind of mentally register as, you know, being blockchain based. I think, I think that's the dream. I think we're already starting to see some novel applications where um, use cases are done, uh, where, where where people are having like very, very frequent interactions with it. And it's kind of impacting their, their off, off-chain life. And, and we want to be a part of that to enable those things. And I think, you know, a lot of businesses will be built on, on, on Web3 and we hope that will be built on layer two. And, um, and, and I think up till now, the, because of the financial nature of everything that, 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 that's been built so far, um, and, and, you know, and, and part of that is due to the exorbitant fees of Ethereum uh, up till today. And so once we unleash that possibility with, with a much cheaper and, and faster Ethereum, we will likely to see a lot more adoption in the developing world and, um, and, and also a lot more use, like tools and, and use cases that are like beyond finance and, and beyond like entertainment. But, you know, I, I think there's still, you know, obviously a huge amount to be built within the financial space and huge amount in the GameFi NFT space. And, and all of that will just be faster and better and, and cheaper. Um, yeah. So I think we're, we're kind of at the precipice of, you know, the, 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 the kind of age where, where, where just before like Facebook and the fan companies came about, it's impossible to envisage what would come and how, how these like, you know, applications would manifest themselves. That requires a lot more experimentation and imagination and a lot more new talent coming to the space to make that happen. And um, I think we just want to play our role as an enabler and, and kind of, you know, facilitate and enable those like innovations to happen. I love that. I think that's great. Uh, hi, Chen, or yeah, would you add anything else there? So I was thinking like that if like that we're successful, we, we, I was thinking like that if like in the few years we can enable like the 10x, like or even higher more throughput like per second on the Ethereum, then I think that's kind of defines us like as a success project for the Ethereum, I think. As, and then that's our, our goal. Like also we can lower the transaction fee a lot and then without sacrificing any security guarantee of the Ethereum itself. And then enabling more people to use the Ethereum, use the cryptocurrencies. So just to make it very concrete um, of what you're saying, obviously recently you saw the the Ape land sale that kind of Guay went to eight thousand, and obviously puts in a question. Uh, of course, they could have done some optimizations to smart contract level, but still, it puts in a question: Can we scale? How, like, how many users in this con? So say that Squirrel is fully deployed and it's working, like. 
how would this compare to, for instance, like Solana uh, or some of the other kind of L1s that are claiming higher throughput and more efficiency and yada, yada, yada. But I'm curious, like, how many users, how many transactions, how, how do you measure, like, the, the scalability of Ethereum with Scroll? Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good question. It's like the how, uh, so I, I think like the first for like the front, if you compare the Ethereum uh, versus the some solidity, like, so I think Ethereum has like a more uh, a diversity of uh, different applications. And then uh, there's also like a lot of more innovations. I think it has like a, a, like a stronger uh, developer uh, ecosystem there. And so there are like more different applications there. Um, but I think like the, the but there's also a problem with the Ethereum is that the, it's not very user friendly. So not like user friendly, I mean like the, uh, because like the transaction fee uh, is pretty high and then the uh, the waiting time, the throughput is not so good for the Ethereum. So I think those like a problem, uh, Ethereum Foundation, like they, they're also trying to solve that. And then uh, that's like also uh, what, what we are doing. Um, so I think like the, if we, say like we enable like higher throughput uh, and then the lower transaction fee costs. Uh, I believe the, ecos- uh, the, the the whole ecosystem and the developer community of around Ethereum can come up with some more creative ways to build applications to enable like to bridge like more into the daily use cases, like not only like the financial applications I was thinking. That's like the one thing like I think uh, with like more infrastructure building like the with more in you know, a uh, kind of the this capability of support higher frequency and then lower transaction cost. So there will be more and more different applications to come up. We had Jason from Folius Ventures, who's also an investor in Squirrel. He branched out and his fund is solely focused on capturing the opportunity in China. And it's rare to find, I mean, perhaps Dragonfly, but the, most of the times, you know, statistically speaking, China has a lot of, a lot of really good developers and talent, I think, and engineers, at least in Web2. You've had a lot of Chinese internet companies build a ton of value. Perhaps a more specific question is like, we talk a lot about China, obviously in the context of they've been at different times pro crypto and also against crypto. How is it to to build a team? How comfortable are you to be there? And what's kind of your thesis of like, what is China's role in Web3? And I know there's a whole host of things, but just pick whatever you want to go and then we can riff off of that. Yeah, well, maybe I can start with um, a kind of a first-person vantage point from our perspective, what it's like to build Scroll from the ground up and what it's like to gather a team. I think one of the, um, one of the great things about um, kind of building in China today is that, you know, there are some great universities and producing fantastic math talents and computer science graduates every single year. And they're fairly concentrated and it's easy to get access to that talent pool. So um, the, the minute we're doing some, working on something interesting, um, you know, we're, we, we start to attract like talent within like this core friendship group of kind of, you know, like math champions. And, and that community unexpectedly translates very well in the US where there's also a similar community and similarly in like Ukraine and Eastern Europe. And, and that's how we managed to build, like kind of bootstrap the project and, and, and create the team that way. And, um, and I think from, a, from an application perspective, there's definitely a lot of kind of senior and trained talent and building very user-friendly products and being able to like adapt very well to the user feedback and environment. I think that part of the kind of startup science 
or you know the, the setup of how to use a very user-friendly DAP, that's very, very um, kind of well well entrenched within the developer community in China. Um, in terms of the research community, um, there, the research community in China is relatively new to Web3, I would say. And um, unlike America, where there are so many like professor projects, I think a lot of the academics' um, talent in China have not been so closely engaged with the Web3 world uh, until recently. And um, part of our setup is that we're, we're, we're open source and, you know, most of our, a lot of our researchers are still affiliated with academic institutions and, and, and there are no problems with them sharing their learning and sharing their practical lessons with the wider world. And, and that reduces our um, kind of regulatory risk to a, to a very large extent. And um, yeah, and, and we're very excited to work with so many kind of experienced talent from Web2 as well. Um, who are looking to build in this uh, to to build in this environment? So mm-hmm. I think you know the the last few years has been um, ha- has kind of been very kind to us in that sense. Yeah, would you say that um like are there any Web three crypto protocols that have been started in China that you look up to? Because I know there's there's been a few very great researchers. I think one of them which started Nervos, um, who was early on in Ethereum, like a core researcher, and then started off Nervos, which has that, I don't know, questionable success, I guess. And um, But I'm curious, like, sometimes you need like a, a figurehead that you look up to uh, in your local community. Is that true for you guys? Like, is there someone in China that you look up to? Or is it just, you know, um, or other projects that you want to emulate? Maybe it's Web2 companies in China that you kind of look at as as kind of blueprints to, to emulate that success. Mm, I haven't really thought about that question, mainly because the way we're set up and the way we're organizing our, our project is so different from anything we've seen. Obviously, there's been a huge amount of like startup success and there are lots of products that we really, really admire in terms of how usable they are, such as TikTok. And um, I'm sure Ye and Haiten have their their version of their kind of you know um, <laughs> projects that they that that they look up to. Um, but you know there there are so many to name. I think you know Little Red Book and obviously you know Tencent, which people use every day. Um, and, and and we want to build a a product that's that that's in a similar sense that's so easy to use that people don't even kind of think about it. Yeah. Maybe a last question for you, Sandy. You were an investor and now a builder. Um, what do you like more and why? I guess bear, bear markets, you'd rather be an, a builder and bull markets, you'd rather be an investor. And so right now, I guess you want to be a builder. <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're recording this while the world kind of is collapsing, which is kind of great and also comforting. That's it. <laughs> uh, I, I think I was an entrepreneur before I was an investor. And having been investing for about three or four years, um, I, I really crave the kind of depth of knowledge that you're able to accumulate by working, like focusing on a singular project. And, and that was the, the, the kind of premises to which we started kind of, you know, researching in the ZK space. And, you know, and then having met Ye and Hai Chen, you know, both being fantastic talents and just, you know, complete geniuses in, in their respective fields. You know, I think I just decided this was going to be the most interesting and kind of high impact role I can play in the wider kind of ecosystem and community. Before we wrap it up, um, um, I'm curious if you could just comment on when can we expect to see kind of the 
the first implementation or the beta for Squirrel. And I know timelines are very fungible in the space and hard to commit to. I'm not asking you to do that, but just give us a general kind of understanding of, of what are the next, are we going to see Squirrel out in the wild in like the next 12 months? Is it going to be a couple of years? Just curious. Yeah, I was thinking like the, so we have like a different phases like of plans. Like uh, I think the the most recent plan we are having like the have some of the approval concept and then having like the people can see like the how to do like the transport using the decay wrap, uh, like or even do like some uh, uh some like the unit swap like the style of the swap and on the on the decay wrap. And then uh, that target like that would be around like summer this year. So it'd be like not too far. Uh but like the afterwards we're also like you need to do like the more like the increment more uh, full-fledged uh, DK EVM. That's like something like I could be like the uh, adding like the in the in the future. Uh, and also, uh, also we're also building like the trying to decentralize things like the uh, starting like in phases. Like first we want to decentralize uh, the proving networks, which helps you to generate the DK proofs. And then like the, the next one will be like the decentralized the sequencers, uh, trying to make the whole things like the also. Uh, have like a community, like not uh, removing the trust of like us, like as alone, like, and then have like the, all have like decentralized things, like to avoid some of the censorships and then removing the trust. But I have like different phases. I think I will be like the scene in the like the next uh, one to two years. Okay, well, uh, we'll have to hold you to that then. Okay. <laughs> um, well, this is great, guys. I'm very happy that you uh, came on and gave us a for everyone out there a little bit more familiarity with all the great work that's going behind the scenes um for i don't know if there's any parting kind of comments or thoughts that you want to impress upon people uh, if not it would be great to understand kind of where people can learn more about scroll i know that you were had some really good resources on you know in eth amsterdam but i'm curious uh if there's anything else you want to add before we wrap it up I guess our website is the is, is the central reference point for all of our information and um and I think one one thing to stress is that you know Scroll is a really unique opportunity for for any for people to live anywhere in the world to participate in in building ZK EVM and literally work on the cutting edge of cryptography and engineering and also possibly like community building and and business development. I think that we're we're blank slate and it's very um and and you know this is a hugely challenging project and we're hoping that you know we'll have more kind of value aligned um people kind of joining joining our mist. Absolutely. Before we go, a lot of times people think that coming, you need to be super technical to work in Web3, but it doesn't sound like that's always the case. Like there are plenty of opportunities to get involved, sounds like with you guys as well, even even as a project that I would think of is perhaps on the more cutting edge of research and, uh, and ZK rollups. It's so, you know, smart people want to work in difficult problems, but you know, for everyone out there, you know, I think it's just a reminder that you don't have to be an engineer to co go work for a protocol because you have plenty of other opportunities for people to co work and, and help you guys on a number of fronts that are just not pure technical. It, so it's, it's kind of refreshing to see. Um, well, great, guys. Really appreciate the time. I know it's late for you out, out there. I know you're in different parts of the world, but I really appreciate all of you coming on on and uh, wishing you all the success. And uh, I'm sure we have we'll have to host you again once uh, you know you you make a little bit more progress and and keep us updated on on the state of zika rollups, which is fascinating and and really mind bending stuff. Yeah. Also, thank you for having me. Thanks, San Diego. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, everyone.